Welcome in, everybody. It's the First in Orange podcast presented by the Denver Post. I'm I'm Parker Gabriel, Broncos beat reporter. And with me, the newest member of the team, Ryan McFadden. What's going on? Nothing much. Just getting getting used to the crazy Denver weather. Um, but, you know, I'm excited to be here, excited to uh, uh, help out with the coverage uh, for, at the Post. Yeah, well, that's for our listeners. That's the most important thing. Ryan uh, just joined us so a week ago now, probably feels like six months already, uh, from the Baltimore Sun. He's going to be covering mostly Broncos, but we told him that during the interview process. And then, of course, he's been out covering the NBA playoffs, too, <laughs> this first week here. So first impressions, I mean, obviously, it's an interesting time of year, but maybe just, I guess, tell us a little bit about um, you know, Baltimore and 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 your path uh, before joining the post and then also uh, how the first few days have gone here. Yeah, so I, I just kind of start like with my path. So I grew up in Prince George's County, Maryland. Um, I got into journalism back when I was in high school. So it's a crazy funny story is when um, I tried out for my JV basketball team at the Matha Catholic High School um, and I passed out during suicides. So it was like, so that was kind of like a reality check for me. Um, saying, all right, this might not be in my like, you know, playing the, ne- like, the next grade Hooper from the Matha. <laughs> so that might, I say, you know what, that might not be in my future. So, um, as I was getting ready for like in the following year, you know, parents were saying, hey, Ryan, you need to like do some things to make your college resume look good. And, you know, you've been writing since you were a little kid and you like sports. So why don't you write for your school newspaper? So I said, all right, I, you know, I'll give it a try. So I, yeah. I joined a student newspaper and kind of like just fell in love with it. Um, you know, just running around the hallways of the math, uh, obviously going to a school like that. Uh, some of the top uh, athletes, whether from football, the basketball, go there. So when you see them in a the lunchroom, you just walk to it, walk, up to them in the cafeteria, just, you know, um, talking it up, writing stories. And then, you know, from there, I went to Iona University in New Rochelle, New York, spent four years there. I was like, I started off as a staff writer uh, covering our men's basketball team. And then the following year, I transitioned to assistant assistant sports editor, still kept that role as the men's basketball beat writer. But, you know, I got, I moved over to assistant sports editor. Then from there, then I spent the last two years at Iona, um, uh, being the main sports editor has had an opportunity to cover for like four Metro Athletic Conference championships, two NCAA tournament games, got to see, you know, Coach K and Roy Williams um, uh, face Iona. So that was pretty dope. Awesome. And then, you know, after there, I went, to, uh, I went to go get my master's degree at the University of Maryland College Park, went back home. Uh, while I was at grad school for two years, I was a high school sports reporter for the Washington Post. Uh, once I graduated there, I joined uh, sports journalism institute which is you know helps minorities and women um, try to put their foot in the door in the industry and they helped me land an internship at the Baltimore Sun and after a summer as an intern they hired me full-time to help cover you know the Ravens and University of Maryland football and men's basketball and then did that for more, over a year and now here I am in Denver covering, covering the um, Broncos. Yeah, that's awesome. It's funny. We were talking about this the other day, but we've actually already we're going to do this a lot in the future. But we've already shared a press box in early December when when uh, Denver was out in Baltimore playing the Ravens. And that I mean, I know we'll we'll get to the draft and all that, but like that was pretty that was a pretty crazy afternoon because that was when Lamar got hurt. And it sort of like kicked off this whole I mean, it was probably brewing already, but it's sort of 
was when the drama with Lamar really kind of started to escalate, right? Because then he was out. And then there was that question over the last few weeks while here we were dealing with like, is Nathaniel Hackett going to get fired? And then once he was, who are they going to hire there? It was like, is Lamar going to come back? Right. So what was it like sort of, you know, reporting on that story, being in the locker room down the stretch of that season with all of that sort of hanging in the balance? Yeah, it was crazy um, because you kind of had a feeling that uh, Lamar wasn't going to come back. And, you know, rightfully so, like he, if he's, well, if Lamar Jackson's not 100%, you, you should not put him out on that field. That just plain and simple. A uh, guy like his, the way he, the way he plays football, you need him as 100%. He's, um, you need him, you need his mobility. Um, that he, he's a game changer when he, when he's running the football, um, because you don't know what he's going to do. Like he can beat you in the air, then, and also too, he can, he, he's a scramble for 70 yards for a touchdown. So if he's not able to do that and he's not confident in his body to do that, um, yeah, you don't want to rush him out there. So I kind of, as as the weeks progress, and you know the the Ravens were very transparent about it. You know they have said, you know um, they didn't share that many details. But as the week kept progressing, you kind of had that idea. I say after like I, I believe after like um, after like three weeks, it was like kind of got to a point where it's like, yeah, this is, you know, this he, he's, he's not, not coming back. Yeah, it's yeah. And, I, and then like at the same time, it was around a really serious time because you know. Leading into the season, it was always those talks about his contract. So now it was those debates about oh whether he should be on the field in the first place. Uh, it, it I'll say it was a pretty chaotic um, time yeah. in Baltimore dealing with that in particular because every day that was the story. Um, no matter what was going on, was Lamar. It was always that Lamar watch, and and sometimes you go up there and be just you kind of knew what was going to happen at the same time as just like. Um, that was just, that was, that was it. That was the yep. thing. Um, but the way it, it was kind of crazy how that unfolded. It's a, well, you're out of the frying pan then and into the fire here because obviously new coach and all that, we're getting ready for the draft this week. So I guess we might as well spend most of this podcast talking about that. Obviously Denver as it stands now, we're recording this Wednesday afternoon, um, spectators on Thursday, unless something crazy happens, you know, I mean, you, you don't entirely discount it out of the realm of possibility that they, they find a way into the first round, but they'd have to give up. I mean, either a, a player like Jerry Judy, at least to get into the first round, or you'd be giving up future draft assets. So we think the most likely scenario is that they, they probably are, are just watching Thursday before, um, rolling around on on Friday, they've got two picks at the top of the third round, number sixty seven and sixty eight overall. So I guess let's just start there in terms of you. You know, you wrote about running backs. There seems like there's a bunch of positions in sort of like in in the hopper, right, where Denver could theoretically go with their first pick, assuming um, just for for the moment that 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 first pick arrives actually at number sixty seven. Yeah, like it's interesting with Denver because they can go so many directions, and they, yeah. um, and there are so many needs they have. In turn, I'd say more in terms of depth. Like, like you said, I don't envision them um, traded into the first round unless it's like a certain player where you look at him like this guy is a franchise cornerstone, and he's going to change the direction of this organization for years to come. That's when you kind of like look at all right. Um, then you kind of play with that idea of trading Judy or trading multiple um, future um, picks. That's the only scenario. I look at the draft. I don't 
I don't see that right there. I don't see the Denver Broncos making that move. We might see a move possibly into the second round. Um, but yeah, they can they can go into many, multiple directions. I know NFL Network's uh, jet draft analyst Daniel Jeremiah he mentioned how um, he talked about Sean Payton's love for um, the trenches and keep adding depth at the offensive line and defensive line. So you could probably see them going there. Um, I've been I'm someone who's who wouldn't mind seeing them getting a running back. Obviously, you. See, Javante Williams um, is recovering from a torn ACL and co- coming from Baltimore where they had two run up two their top running backs deal with that injury, J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. And the way the Ravens did it, they really took their time to make sure um, those guys were, were fully healthy. And even when J.K. Dobbins went back, he still had to get surgery to kind of yep. repair that knee. Um, so you don't, you don't want to rush that at the same time. I like, are you com- is Denver confident going into week one with Samaji Piran as their top running back? There's so much, you know, questions about the depth outside of Williams and Piran. So you look at that, like, all right, dude, how confident are are the are they in their in their running back room um, going into week one if Javante Williams is not fully healthy? So I think you can look at the draft as them possibly using the third round or using the, their day two or day three selection to get a running back to possibly make that immediate impact to provide depth there. Uh, tight end is another one. The tight end class is very deep. You want to add another pass catcher at the tight end or someone who can help in terms of blocking, that would be a good need. Uh, you can never have enough edge rushers, I believe. That's right. Um, uh, you know, the Broncos invested so much money into Randy Gregory, but at the same time, like, he dealt with injuries last year. Then, he, you know, his past with dealing with multiple suspensions. So you kind of have to question, like, how often he's going to be on the field. So if you're not confident he's going to be on the field often. So – you look at that where like do they want to invest in edge rusher? So I like there's so many directions I they can go. Um, but yeah, I think you when I look when you look at a need, I think you kind of look I look at edge rushers. Uh you can't I think they should continue to add more off offensive line depth. And also I think they should strongly consider uh getting a running a, a running back that help out just in case Javante is not ready um by the time the season opener comes around. Yeah, it's crazy because like, okay, so at this time last year, like Basically, you know, that was what George Payton said after they drafted Nick Benito uh, at number 64. That was their, their first pick last year. And he was like, you want, you know, waves of edge rushers. You can never have enough. And then they had a, a little bit of a roster crunch, like when they cut down to the 53 before the season. So they traded Malik Reed to Pittsburgh. Then the season didn't go the way they wanted. They traded Bradley Chubb uh, to Miami. They got the first round pick that they ended up using to get Sean Payton from the Saints since he was under contract there. Uh, you know, Randy, by that time, by the time they traded Chubb, Randy Gregory was hurt. He only played, you know, sort of sparingly um, in the last, you know, two of the last three games of the season coming back from that knee injury. So they went from having this like wealth of, of edge guys to it sort of, they like circle all the way to back to it being a question mark in a way, like, if Randy Gregory's healthy, like in the first three and a half games when he was healthy, he looked really good, but three and a half games is not going to get you very far in the NFL. So it's like, if he's healthy, he's a disruptive player. Uh, if Nick Benito takes the next step, he's got a chance to provide some pass rush juice. If Baron Browning like really takes the next step in his game in his second year playing on the edge, he's got a chance to be a good player, but it's sort of like if, 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 if on the edge, and so, yeah, I don't, I, I'm, I'm with you. I could see him going edge. Um, I could see him taking a corner, um, you know, that the, their top line, like obviously when you're starting with Pat Sertan, that's a great 
place to start, right? Like Pat Sertan and then, and then Justin Simmons playing safety and across the top line at corner, it looks pretty good. Like Damari Mathis looks like a good find in the fourth round. He played better and better um, after he took over for Ronald Darby um, over the second half of the season. Kwan Williams, I thought was one of the more underrated players on their defense last year. He does a lot from the slot, but again, like you're talking about building quality depth, Mathis long-term, does he take over for K1 in the slot down the road? Um, is he a true sort of like outside guy? So I think, and it's not just because they spend so much money on offense and, and free agency, but like defense to me, you just see the needs there. Um, at the same time, it's like supposedly one of the best, you know, Daniel Jeremiah, the, the call, you know, before the combine, he said it was maybe the best tight end class he'd seen in the last 10 or 15 years. So, you know, there could be a guy like that that's on the board that you just can't say no to. Um, you know, when you roll around at the top of the third round. Oh, yeah, most definitely. And then, like, I look at something like this, like, also you got to look at offensive line. Like, when you look at mock drafts, one guy uh, mentioned and coming back from, you know, my time covering Maryland is Jalen Duncan. You see him fall. Uh, I think um, I've seen that one of the athletics seven-round mock drive. They haven't fallen to the third round. Um, so if that's the situation right there, that's a, that's a very – that's Jalen Duncan's a guy if they want to add depth in the offensive line. This is not a guy like I say he's going to start. Like You're not expecting him to be a starter, but he's someone that can develop into a solid guy up front, especially with his athleticism. Um, yeah, so it's that there are so many directions, but I kind of agree with you there. I think they should lean towards defense, and especially in terms of focusing on, on that edge um, and continue to add more light. Uh, Add more pieces at the defensive line. I think I think that'd be that'd be key going into this draft. I know you mentioned it in the story you wrote, which you should you know check it out denverpost.com slash Broncos. Uh, Ryan, you wrote a story uh, the other day about running backs, and right at the end, and this caught my attention when when Sean said it during the the pre draft news conference. Sean Payton, the head coach, obviously, um, he he made a point of telling that story about how you know, you, everybody has needs and like, yeah, of course, you know, the, the draft is one of the ways you address those. But he said, you know, 2017, we were pretty well set at running back. And when Alvin Kamara started to drop, they traded up to, to make sure, you know, that they got, were able to get him. And so he was sort of like, yeah, I mean, needs are needs and you could always use more depth, like pretty much everywhere on your roster. But like, if there's a guy that you really believe in, that's when you trade up to go get somebody. And it just was like, I don't know necessarily who that guy is. It feels like, and I'm thinking about running back because he used Kamara as the example, but it seems like it'd be pretty aggressive. I mean, I think there's a lot of people that think Jamire Gibbs, the running back from, from Alabama is going to maybe go in the top 35 picks. And that just might, from a capital standpoint, like that might be out of Denver's reach without really mortgaging a lot of the future or, trading Jerry Judy, but like if he gets, I'm, I'll be curious if there's a guy, whether it's him or somebody else, if they start getting itchy, maybe in that, like, you know, green Bay's got the two picks 42 and 45 after the Aaron Rodgers trade. There's a couple teams in that, that sort of like mid 40 range that you just, I don't know if there was a range that they were going to trade up into, that seems like maybe the top end of where they could realistically get to without really sort of selling the farm in the future. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. And like, continue with this running back that on running backs. Like, if there's a guy up there, I feel like the Broncos might trade for him. Like, I, I look at it like you can help their offense tremendously if you can um, 
have a three back, uh, like three back running backs you got you can rely on on in the, yeah. on offense. Um, so it, I feel like if there's a guy that they like, um, they I think I wouldn't be surprised they pull the trigger and make a make a move. But at the same time, it's like all right, you you want to make the move for the right guy. Um, so like like you said, Gibbs, he's someone I look at might be someone early second round, maybe late uh, first round. Um, so I don't think the Broncos are willing to give that much yeah. capital right. to go that far because um, you can still probably get a solid back um, even in the third round. Even if you don't trade, you could probably still get one. But I feel like I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule out. I honestly, I, I kind of, yeah, I wouldn't rule out at all seeing them go up and trying to get like an offensive playmaker in the, in the backfield. Cause I think like, I, like, like I said, that that's going to be essential. Um, Cause we, we really don't know. Peyton, George Payton said himself they don't have a timeline for Javante Williams. And if Sean Payton is a guy that's trying to get the ball rolling and not trying to waste time, I think you're going to need as much help you can get, at, at, excuse me, starting week one. Yeah. And it's, it's cool. It's interesting. Like the sort of, the sort of bind that Denver's in, right. Is just the fact that they only have the five picks. So like, not only do they not have the premium picks near the top of the draft, but they're short in, in quantity too. And so there's just like compounding problem. If you trade up, then, you know, not only are you probably dealing multiple picks to move up, then you're even shorter sort of after that. And so in the last like mock draft that I did, you put your GM hat on and just sort of see what you can come up with. And so I, I, I've just ran through the scenario where you trade up and not even that far to 60, um, gave up a fifth rounder and then traded back from 68 um, to try to sort of acquire more picks from there. So I don't know. I mean, obviously nobody knows exactly what they're going to do. They don't know exactly what they're going to do because there's just so much action that's going to take place um, before they show up on the clock, at least as it stands now. And so I just, my sense, Ryan, I don't know about you, but my, my sense is that they'll wheel and deal, you know, and whether it's move up a little bit, um, and it couldn't, it could maybe not be from either of those third rounders. Like they could move up from 108 or, or whatever. But, um, I just feel like they're going to probably move around the board a little bit and try to create more than five selections for themselves, sort of like regardless of what happens up top. Yeah. I can, I can really see that because you, uh, having as many, many picks as possible, picks as possible, I think that's essential. Um, uh, because like, like you said, uh, you can find, pieces even in the later rounds so like having having that many picks um but will, will be helpful and i i do see that happening but yeah i think i think they're going to be very aggressive i think they are going to be those phones are going to be ringing um uh trying to see if they they can either move up or go back a little bit to get some more picks um so it's gonna it's gonna be interesting it's crazy like where you look at teams you look at teams in this draft where you say all right they you kind of know the direction they're going to go. And I look at Denver, I'm like, man, I, it's hard. You, you really don't know because they yeah. can go, they can go anywhere. They can like go running back. They can, you, they can go receiver if they wanted to, they can go tight end edge, D line, offensive line. Like I said, I won't rule out, even though they spent a lot of money on the offensive line in the off season, I won't be surprised. They try to go at, at some more pieces up there as well. So there are so many directions um, they can go in this draft. Uh, one thing that did I, I took away from um, Sean and George's uh, uh, presser, pre-draft presser, is like kind of they preach. I'll say they preach patience as well, trying yeah. to like even though there is value in the later rounds, is but they're trying to. They also were being mindful that 
they're not expecting if they go pick someone in the third round, they're not expecting them to go out there and be a a Pro Bowl selection right away. It's right. like it's more about a vi- about a vision, and I think that's important to preach because, like I said, it, it's just not going to be one quick fix. Um, there are going to be so is is so much things that have to play a part in order for this franchise to turn around. Um, but yeah, I think the idea of not going in there with the mindset of having a vision for that player instead of expecting someone to be like, all right, we're going we're going to draft you in third round. Now go out there and make plays week one. Um, I think that's yeah, <laughs> I think that's going to be hard. And like you don't want to. And I'm not trying to put that much expectations on on a third rounder. So yeah, I think that's one thing. Uh, when people look at this year's draft, you got to have patience as well because yeah, you, you could probably find some value value with the five picks. Um, but at the same time, uh, you got to be mindful how long it's going to take to see that, uh, to see them grow. Yeah, especially in the trenches, right? I mean, it just, you talk to enough people around the game and you, it's just really hard to be a rookie and, and play on the line of scrimmage in the NFL. It, it can it can be done and and there's the rare guy that is just ready and, and really makes an impact. Like Denver's too, you know, they took two defensive linemen last year. They're like pretty decent examples of your sort of typical – rookie course you know that maybe playing 10 15 snaps a game you get in the rotation as the season goes along you maybe get comfortable and then you know you're you're hoping obviously that they take the step in in their second year and then third year and that that could be the case if they go offensive line I think you know it's worth looking at and and we've written this but if you if you jump forward and there's a lot of moving pieces and you move money around and all that so it's not obviously set in stone but right now you know the cap numbers on the new on the new guys Ben Powers and Mike McGlinchey they jump up a lot both over 15 million in 2024 and Garrett Bowles is at 20 million as a cap number in 2024 as well last year of his deal uh Denver's left tackle obviously going into this season um coming off a, a leg fracture last year you know if he plays great this year then hey you know that's great you've got a guy for at least another year um but it does feel like it's sort of a a crossroads type year, a pivotal year for him in his career. He's 30. Um, and so, you know, you, you draft a guy, you know, you might be hoping that 12 months from now he's, he's your left tackle or two years from now he's your, your left tackle. Uh, he doesn't necessarily need to be um, like when camp starts in July. Yeah. And like I said, that goes back to like uh, when I brought the example, like, like Maryland's Jalen Duncan, if he falls, yeah into the third round. That's a guy that you can develop. And like you said, in two to three years can possibly be a starter on uh, a starting left tackle for this team. Yep. Uh, so that, that's something to look at, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to see what happens. Um, I think it's going to, it's going to, it's going to be interesting. I'll say that. Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, any, anything else? I mean, obviously they're, they're, they're sort of in Sean made a, has made a, a very, um, concerted point of saying there's no, you know, they're not doing the mini camp thing, really the voluntary mini camp. It's just, you know, lifting and running here for the first several weeks before they, they go into phase two. I mean, just in general, Ryan, this time of year, like, is there anything useful to take away from, from the workout phase of things? Or are we just sort of uh, twiddling our thumbs until at least OTAs when you get to go over there and, and watch once a week? Yeah, I think, I think that's what we're doing right now. I think one thing, I would take away. Um, it just kind of like when you look at the way Sean Payton is running things from the start, it's like he's kind of like you can tell that he, he has like put this the shield around the franchise yep. and he just wants them to get to work. Um, that's the type of like when you see him at the press conference and see him talk, it's like he's just 
all football. He's no he's no nonsense. Like I think he's looking at like this team has struggled for X amount of years. It's time to like, you know, let's get them back on track. Let's get these guys grounded. And we're gonna and we're gonna work. Um I kinda uh, I know it's hard it's hard for us as media members because yeah, yeah. the, the um we don't get that the access, but let I, us talk to him. <laughs> that's I think, but I think he looks at it like this team has struggled for so many years and he's like, all right, we gotta I got he got I'll say like starting from ground the ground up in a yeah. sense and kind of like all right laying down his foundation like we just gotta get to work that that's that's what it is it's like um you brought you brought me here you invested in me to come here to try to change this franchise around and that's what I'm here to do and this is what I'm gonna do um whether you like it or not uh we just we're gonna be no nonsense. Uh, and we're just gonna we're just gonna work. And I think I would say this. I think this might that might be a good direction for this team is just having that type of me- mentality moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll have a little bit of nonsense, but but we'll get to work too. Uh, it's awesome having you on board. I'm really pumped about what what we're gonna do in the future. First of many, obviously, podcasts here. Uh, we'll be back after the draft to run down all all of uh the excitement everything that that denver does over the end of this week but for now for ryan mcfadden i'm parker gabriel with the denver post your first in orange podcast thanks for listening thanks for watching